the reality is, is that all of us seek, perceive, process, and communicate information that fits our paradigms, our worldview. And what he's saying is that this paradigm is actually blinding us. It's not making our diversity programs effective. It's working against us. And that if we want diversity, maybe we should look at our paradigm. Maybe we should look for a new way of seeing this. Welcome to WorkWise, the growth mindset for wisdom at work. I'm Ken Kennard from Accent Interactive, and joining me is co-host Mike Boys from Credo Consulting. In this episode, we finally respond to James Damore's missive on Google's diversity policies from July 2017. And before you jump to any conclusions about what Mike thinks, be sure to listen to the entire episode. I think you'll find this stimulating and challenging. Well, Mike, welcome back. Well, thank you. I'm Mike One. You're Mike One. You're Mike Two. Oh, I am. Well, I'm on Mike One. You're Mike on Mike One. Ken on Mike Two. Is that what you're saying? I think, I think that's how we have it. Yeah, you're always a little bit ahead of me. I've noticed. That's kind of that's kind of good. That's humbling. I was born a few years ahead of you. <laughs> okay. But you're closing the gap. You're you've earned the right to be first. Then thank you. Thank well, you. since you're so first, yes, maybe we should start with you. We got you know our our Ask Workwise segment last time was so popular that we got more questions. Yeah, I know. Stop the presses. My inbox was filling up. I think I got at least two or three questions. You got two or three? Yeah. Well, the more important question is, do we have our, our tune for that? We need a tune for the... We qu- ne- well, well, I asked, you, I, I, yeah. I asked you to come up with that. So yeah. Can I hear it? Maybe. Uh, oh, oh, you mean that tune? Okay. Yeah, the what, tune what, what for do you, what, what do you think about this one? Let me play something here. What'd you think? I like it. Yeah. I like it. But there could be more options. Oh, there's always more options. We yeah. could just go explore and, and create something else and decide if it's good and then come out and fight for it if we really wanted to. All right. Well, let's keep exploring. Okay. <laughs> don't, lock, don't lock me down. Don't, don't, pin, yeah. don't, don't put me in a box, man. Right, right. So right. You're sounding like my wife. All right. Well, I've got some questions for you. I've, I've chosen from among the millions of questions we got a couple of ones that seem really related and relevant, I think, to our topic today. Oh, uh, Fantastic. So what do you think of this? Dress code, corporate culture. Yeah. Okay, that's kind of the topic here. Is is a corporate dress code really necessary? It does it does the personal freedom of expression through fashion have a place in the modern office? Yeah. This comes from Dave, who also says, why does every company claim to have its own culture? Right? <laughs> I like we the air have quotes. A culture. <laughs> we don't just have workers. <laughs> we have a company culture. Right, right. Yeah. Is that really a thing? Or is this just marketing fluff he wants yeah. to know? And yeah. is it even positive or does it stifle innovative thinking and individuality? Yeah. So yeah. there you go. So your response. Well, you know, there's the response and there's the response. Okay. Give us the response. Well, first. so so reading between the lines, when you look at those questions together, it sounds like maybe our our uh, our uh, questioner um, is feeling constrained himself. Right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey. And uh, uh, is wondering about, uh, you know, should he really have to conform to a culture right. or has some qualms with yeah. this. So I think the question, is culture real? Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, it's real. Okay. Is why, culture real? Why do you think culture's real? Well, so, you know, just walk into any home in the country. Every home has a different set of norms, behaviors, and a different feel and different things they're pursuing. That's a family culture. Okay. When you walk into a business, you observe the culture. 
Yeah. Uh, how's it decorated? How are people dressed is an artifact of culture. Okay. How they address each other mm. is an artifact of culture. How many layers of management is an artifact of culture. Um, so, so yeah, we, but we, we, the fact that we behave differently and the fact that we have policies on dress code is part of our culture. And now what those policies are is also a piece of it. Are, are you still wearing a suit and tie? Mm-hmm. On the whole, culture has become much more casual over the last 20 years in, in corporations. Uh, and that's, re, that's reflected a loosening of, of controls and, and allowing a greater expression of individuality, but also accounting for some of the, um, the financial constraints it puts on people to have you know, three sets of clothes, essentially. So yeah, it's real. It's real. The question is, uh, do I conform to it? Should I have to conform to it? That depends. How successful do you want to be in that organization? Mm. Right. So anywhere you go, you you must conform to some degree to the culture. You know, a few years ago, there was a, a young a young boy in uh, Singapore who was from America, uh, and he violated you know the law there. It's like spit on the sidewalk or something, and he wound up getting lashed for it. Mm. American culture says you don't punish somebody for for spitting on the sidewalk mm-hmm. and certainly you don't lash people yeah singapore you do and it was seen as a much more appropriate way to put them in jail lash them yeah and i don't, I don't want to recall if the offense was spitting on the sidewalk but okay. i think it was something something along those to lines. that effect yeah yeah so you violate the rules and you get into trouble you violate the culture which is simply the normal ways of behaving and looking at things yeah and I would ask, I would ask our caller, have you seen different cultures in different companies you've been in? It's there. So um, conformity is, is 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 appropriate. The question is, is does that conformity is that feel, is it killing you? Yeah. And not everybody should be where they are because if that the values and that culture doesn't fit who they are. Well, and then that brings up the question, what do you do when you see that the values of your company culture don't, not only don't seem to mesh with your own values, but you think that they don't, they're not even taking the organization where you think the organization claims that it wants to go. And that certainly happened recently in the news when we, when we learned uh, about this guy from, from Google who wrote this kind of, uh, uh, argument, I guess you could call it, uh, about Google's ideological echo chamber, he calls it. The echo chamber. As yeah. it relates to uh, the diversity in the workplace. Yeah. So did you see this coming across I the did, news? I what, did. What did I, was, I was actually very interested in this. Um, there's a lot to think about this. And there's a lot of things that strike me about this. And it's a, it's a complicated picture. It's a very complicated picture. And my personal reaction is that on the whole the media and people have not treated it as a complicated picture. They've simplified, they, oversimplified it. They've would you simplified say? it because we're polarized and okay. we, we see this from very different angles because we take simplistic views of things because we are polarized in our outlook on things. And it's a reflection of what's, what's happening in America, probably throughout the world, actually, when you look at what's going on in the world. Um, and it really pushes um, critical thinking aside. And it does, in fact, I believe, as most conservatives would, um, that the idea of, of uh, acceptance and, uh, and um, tolerance is actually destroyed 
by this idea of acceptance and tolerance. <laughs> right? Right? So, so I think I think this is one of those cases we've talked about before where um, diversity initiatives are killing diversity. Yeah. Well, let's, so let's let's lay out the argument for people yeah. who just want to get on the yeah. right page about yeah. this. This is called Google's ideological echo chamber: How Bias Clouds Our Thinking About Diversity and Inclusion, and it was written by a guy. At Google. Yeah, James uh, Danmore. James Danmore. Dan, James Damore uh, in July of 2017. So a 10-page PDF circulated mm-hmm. around the internet uh, yeah. where he kind of writes out his argument. Right. Um, and what would you, how would you summarize his argument without critiquing it? How would you summarize what, what he was trying to argue here? Well, I, th- I think he's, he's arguing that the way that Google is promoting diversity um, in particular, uh, the promotion of uh, women in the organization mm-hmm. and its efforts to do that are misguided. Mm. And that Google is not considering all the facts in the world and is being driven by a liberal agenda. Okay. And he confesses himself to be a classical liberal, he says. Yeah. But he's saying to his, to his credit, we're, we're, we are crowding out and, and oppressing conservative voices, and we're oppressing some true things that ought to be looked at. Yeah. So what, what are his contentions? What, what, what would he say yeah. are the differences between right. men and women? Right. So, so it's a great question. So he, he's appealing to research that says, hey, we're not looking at the facts, right? And the facts are that men and women do differ. Right. Uh, so, for example, he points to some personality research, and he says the the true findings. And so, when you look at personality, we talk about the five factor model in the past on personality, and he says, look, there are differences. There are differences in the neuroticism scale, right? And there are differences in the uh, uh, agreeableness scale, right? And women tend to have higher scores on neuroticism. And they tend to be more agreeable. So, in other words, they can be slightly less, slightly less emotionally stable. They 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 experience more anxiety in some ways than men do, right? And that they tend also to be more sensitive to people and and easier to get along with. That's agreeableness essentially in mm-hmm. a, in a bucket. Yeah. And so those things, when you look at the research, it's true. Now, how big are the differences? That's a different question. We'll come to that later on. Um, he also says that uh, um, that the warmth they express, which is really a subscale of extroversion, tends to be higher. Research says this. He's pulling right from the psychological research. And then finally, he says that um, women tend to have more openness to express and experience their feelings and feelings from other people. And that they have a more appreciation for aesthetics. They're open to aesthetics. They want things to look beautiful and they appreciate beauty. Yeah. Well, the research says this is true. This is real, right? So I say kudos to you for bringing this up. Very good. He also says men tend to be more assertive. Well, duh. It's also in the research. And most people would look at that and say, you know, it's not. Uh, and then he says, you know, also that um, men tend to be more open to ideas. Women are more open to feelings and aesthetics, open to ideas. And that's a, a subscale of this, this scale called openness. 
This is what the research says. And there's a few other personality differences he doesn't point to, like men are more excitement-seeking and risk-taking. But he doesn't talk about those things. And so um, my personal feeling is that truth matters. And he says these things, and they're they're true. They're true. And he bases his argument in part on these ideas to say males and females are different. Um, He also points to uh, the the reality that um, there are differences in math scores for men and women, right? And he says maybe um, maybe these these differences account for why we have different rate. We have a, we have we don't have women rising up in the ranks in in Google for leadership, and why we have fewer women or that women are underrepresented here. Uh, in Google and the computer engineering and computer sciences. Okay. So, so he, in other words, he's saying that we should, if these things are truly unequal, we should treat unequal things unequally. That equality would not be to say that we have to, for every man in this job, we have to have a woman in this job. Right. Instead, he would say what? Well, he, he's saying maybe that we, we, we're not going to find equal proportions of men and mm. women and it would be a waste of our time and our resources and our money. And the fact that we're trying to change that, to go against that 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 um, that trend, is actually discriminating against men. Yeah. And that's not that's not what we want. Yeah. We don't want that. And um, and voices that express this opinion are pushed down. That's yeah. not that's not openness. That's not the tolerance we're talking about here. The yeah. diverse we're talking about. And he says he says what diversity matters. And he's 100% right on this. Is diversity uh, in terms of race, gender, height, shoe size, that doesn't matter. Yeah. In terms of performance for creativity. Yeah. That doesn't matter. What really matters is idea or perspective diversity. Right. That's what affects performance. That's what affects creativity. That's what affects innovation mm-hmm. in terms of those outcomes. Right, and so we're saying, why are we so focused on these things when it's really I, I, a perspective diversity that matters? And so he's a critic of these things. There are other questions, though, to be asked. So the question is, well, does it matter? Do do um, do, um, do women have sufficient? Do these personality traits actually matter in terms of performance? And some people have been quick to point out, engineering is not all about like. Running a program where computer science isn't all about sitting in a corner with your head down, acting alone, and having math skills. That there's a tremendous amount of cooperation sure, and collegiality sure. and, and working together that produces these things. Right. And that rising up takes agreeableness. Sure. And... Um, and so he's kind of sh- he's kind of short sighted in some of his 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 analysis of it. I think. Okay. Um, and so it's not that you know, but people. What I think the, the concern what concerns me in this, I think, my concern about this response to this is that people have pushed aside truth, and what and what Google said, their response to it, is that um, well he was fired for violating company policy. What policy did he violate? And that's my main question. I don't have the ins and outs of that, but it, the, but they then followed that with saying that he's spreading um, uh, uh, false assumptions about genders uh. in the organization. And so I would to that I would say no. Actually, he's spreading truth about differences in genders. 
And p- truth is being pushed aside here in favor of a liberal paradigm that says it, that we must not admit that there are differences between men and women. So, so admitting differ- that there are differences between men and women seems to be the crux of, of the argument. It's discriminatory. Right? It, it's seen as you, you are not... You can't, you're not treating them equally because to treat them equally, you have to say that they're really the same in the things that matter. So I'm trying to apply this to a family situation. Right. So if you said to me, uh, Ken, do you, do you discriminate uh, against your children or do you treat them equally? Um, well, I would say that treating them equally doesn't mean, it depends on what you mean by equally. Right. If I love them the same and I treat them with the same amount of respect and, and preference right. as each other, it doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to do the same thing with them or allow them the same thing. Right. You know, one, we had to make a decision recently about sports and my argument with, with two, two boys that wanted to both play sports was that one should play sports in this particular case and one should not. Right. And that's treating them unequally in the sense of if you're just looking at, did they get to play sports or not? Right. But what I know about them is that they're very different in terms of who they are. One is very sports-minded and just sports, right. I can tell, is going to be a big part of his life. Right. And so to allow him to play sports is to, for him, allow him to develop his strength. Right. I have another son who wants to play sports not because of the sports, but he wants to be included. Right. He wants to be doing what big people do. Mm-hmm. And that's his motivation. It's not that he can't play sports, but he's clearly not... A naturally gifted athlete. Right. And for him to treat him equally, I actually would encourage him to develop a different strength. He's recently developed an interest in cooking and food and, it, and there's the aesthetics that go mm-hmm. along with that. And I, when I see the things he does in that regard, I think, wow, he's just as strong at that right. as my other son is at sports. Right. And so for me to make the decision that one is going to be doing sports and another is going to be doing something right. related to food... Right. Is that is that discrimination? Is that bias? Is that is that wise? Yeah. You know, am I treating them equally or am I not? Well, you're discriminating, right? You, but 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 thinking requires discrimination. We always discriminate if, if, we're, if we're smart. We have to discriminate between things. And so you're saying I want to invest my resources and time where it's going to have the greatest value. Yeah. Right. And so in a sense, you know, this this gentleman at at Google is saying the same thing. Why? Let's let's. Apply our resources where they're wise. Maybe women's skills are best used elsewhere, right? And so there's other pieces to his argument um, uh, that I want to go through that I think are important. And I want to go back to what, what bothers me about this too. And because and, I think he's ma- making the same argument that you are, right? Let's apply our resources to where they're, they're most belong and not worry about whether everybody's the same everywhere. So, so there's this, this other issue that he addresses, or, or kind of obliquely, which is the interest women have in going into computer science, sure. right? Uh, is there a, a huge supply of qualified women who want to do these kind of jobs? They want to go into programming or want to go into computer science in general. And the data I found said that in the 80s, about 34% of people enrolled in computer science programs were women. Today, on average, it's 18%. Mm. It's gone down. It's like about half. Right. 
So, and so the 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 question really for Google is, um, how many of those people do we expect to have here? Because Google, as they purport to hire only the top one percent of programmers, and so then the question really would be is, how many women are in that top one percent, and can we expect? To, is it is it practical to expect that we would recruit them all or a what portion them into Google, and what would it take to do that, and and the question about then let's look at our culture because let's look at our culture and see is our culture actually welcoming to women, and if you have a culture that's dominated by men. And 80% of the engineers or computer engineers in Google are men, 81% actually. Um, is that a welcoming culture? Is that a culture where women feel welcoming and can thrive in? And, and if an organization says, we want more, we want to recruit more women, then they must address this issue of the culture in, in Google. Because you you want people will only stay where they're welcome and they feel like they can thrive, right? And so, so they are rightly addressing this issue of diversity, I think I think uh, uh, the the guy with the memo would agree with that. The question is, is how are we doing that, and what assumptions are we making with it? And that brings us to this other issue, and um, the the issue that at its at heart of this memo is worldview. The issue is polarization in our world. We the reality is is that all of us seek perceive and process and communicate information that fits our paradigms, our worldview. And what he's saying is that this paradigm is actually blinding us. It's not making our diversity programs effective. It's working against us. Um, And that if we want diversity, maybe we should look at our paradigm. Maybe we should look for a new way of seeing this. Right, and it would be in Google's best interest to do that. Their response to it was they fired him, mostly because it seems to me that he violated the paradigm. He said the emperor doesn't have any clothes on, and that's the policy he seemed to violate to me. So um, we need more clarity on that because it's possible that he could be fired for his um, for what he said. And it's yep. also possible he could be fired for how he said it. Yeah. And when you talk about policy, it's not clear by the word policy, whether he, which one of those is the case, right? Right, right. Um, so it's very possible that they're just closed to the facts or other ideas or other perspectives. And those dominant uh, forces are just going to kill him no matter how he presents yeah. it. If these are the ideas you present, you're out. Yeah. But it could be that he's just going about the truth the wrong way. Do, do, did you feel that the way he brought the truth that he brought, I mean, I'm not saying everything yeah. he brought was true, but I'm saying is is that your issue? Did you have issues no. with how he how he was bringing? Well, this let's out? let's address that in two ways. They we don't we aren't. It isn't one hundred percent clear to people outside Google and to, or whoever made the decision what they why they fired him. Yeah. There's the reasons they put out there in their statements. They say that he violated policy, and on the heels of that, they say that he was advocating. Um, stereotypes about men and women that aren't true. And what we what what stereotypes did he promote? He promoted the stereotype that they are different. Is that the way we would summarize that? Right. And people and and the 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 inference 
that Google and people who are writing about this in the media and um, online are saying, they, they're, they're echoing, is that um, he said that women are inferior yeah. and they can't do their jobs as well as men. There's no, he, nowhere does he imply that. That is that paradigm coming in and interpreting mm. what he says. Okay. He doesn't say that. He goes out of his way to say to avoid things like that. And so that's the, that's an interpretation of what he said. Yeah. Because of the perspective. Yeah. Right. So so here's the reality of it. Um, the reality is that people follow on most attributes. They follow a normal distribution curve. Like a bell curve. Like a bell curve. Yeah. And the the curve for women and the curve for men is just offset by a little bit. It's like it's fuzzy. So there's tremendous overlap, right? Yeah. And so what that means is that there are women who are really, 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 really fantastic at math. Yeah. Who can do any job there is. Right. There's just a few more men in that category. Right. It used to be we'd find that that the the ratio of, of women who were really, 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 really super good, the tail end of that normal curve was like, nine or 11 to one or 18 to one. Now it's down like 2.5 to one. It's closing. Okay. It's but even the, fuzzier now. It's more it, overlap yeah, than there the, used to be. But that's the reality. It, we, it doesn't matter whether that's genetic or not. What matters is what is. What matters yeah. is how many engineers out there that are of high quality that want to work for Google. Mm-hmm. That's what matters. Yeah. Not whether it's biological or whatever. So, so the, the, the interpretation of the data is blinding Google and the world to what the reality is. Clearly, if you read the memo, you know, it wasn't wise for him politically in an organization to do that. Perhaps he overestimated how open they were and how how much they'd receive it. Maybe Mm. he thought he had protection from Mm. the supposed open culture. Um, Maybe he was just a fed up young guy Mm -hmm. who took a risk and it didn't pan out for him. Maybe he didn't even care if he got fired. Maybe he didn't care. We don't care. know that. Maybe he didn't care. Maybe he was just fed up. And I think if you read it, it, was, it wasn't it was well edited and it, and it was repetitive. Yeah. And so it might have been like Tom Cruise in a movie, his missive overnight where he just blasts out. His this manifesto. Movie. Yeah, his manifesto. So I, I, don't, I, I don't think it was a wise thing to do. And it certainly has caused a stir that has brought a, a, a poor light on Google. Um, but Google's ills and the tech ills about the cultures being acceptable for women and being welcoming to women are kind of well documented. And so it did bring a negative view onto Google and was very disruptive. And I think that would be a, a fair reason to fire him. You can fire for any reason you want, just not based on certain protections. Right. <laughs> right? So, so I think certainly he, he could have exercised better judgment there. Should he have been fired? I'm not sure. I think probably separating ways was a good way to uh, probably had to happen. Mm. My concern is whether people are thinking critically and 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 their regard for the truth. And I don't see regard for truth because truth does in fact matter. I want to go back to kind of the heart of, of of one of the things he was suggesting. He says viewpoint diversity is arguably the most important type of diversity. So he's, he's not talking about race. He's not talking about gender. Mm-hmm. He's not talking about shoe size, like you said. And political orientation, which is a broad term in his, in his mm-hmm. uh, missive here, is one of the most fundamental and significant ways in which people view things differently. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like his, his larger point is that we need to be more tolerant 
of different viewpoints of different of different um, political or ideological viewpoints and be accepting more of those and bringing those more in because that's what's going to give us that's the diversity that matters right in the organization what do you think of that well i i think um he's i think he's very much on target i don't know um i don't know if the um the uh, the ideological in terms of worldview political differences um matters tremendously for Google's performance. Yeah. Um, I do know that that perspective diversity, knowledge and perspective diversity is what brings more creativity, more innovation. And certainly that is one that is one angle of it. Um, and I think there's a marketplace issue here too, right? Which is um, you know, would Google be more successful in the market if they represented perspectives and ideas that were more appealing to the conservative side of the country, 50% of the the country. Or the world. Or the world. Yeah, that's really a global company. Good good point, the world. So, So... would they do that? And so this, so that's the that's the business question. Yeah. There's another question about diversity, which is a moral question, right? Or or a a, a social question is that um, apart from the performance of the organization, is it okay to say we want more women here? We think women should be advanced. We think we should lift up women to have more opportunity. Or we think these folks should be lifted up, right? And that's a question of preference, maybe perhaps of morality, perhaps of social engineering. And perhaps it's part of the co- company culture. Part of the company culture. These are, these are things we value, even right. if they don't necessarily right. optimize right. return yeah. on investment. And we've kind of talked about this before. That's fine. Like To me, say that. We, this is what we want. And because we we like this, we think it's important. Yeah. Um, but don't deny the truth that there are differences. Yeah. Um, I, I, the famous example that comes to mind is when is when Tim Cook had an investor complaining that some of their uh, programs weren't necessarily uh, feeding the bottom line as mm. much as other choices were. Right. And he says basically, if that's what you value, you need to find another stock because these are our company cultural values. Right. And. Um, and I think that that you know it was it was clearly stated, mm-hmm. it was embodied, it yeah. was defended with actual uh, right. policy and procedure and reality. Mm-hmm. And um, he's basically saying the, that that the bottom line return on investment is not going to trump all other considerations right. when it comes to what we do as a company. This is what we're about. Yeah. And so I think I would be far more comfortable with Google's, Google's response on this if they had something said something like that. This is what we're about. And putting aside the questions of, well, are, you know, are, do f- women make great engin- computer engineers? Yeah, of course they do. I know one of them there. Of course they do. Uh, are they out there? Of course they are. Right? And, you know, do, do, uh, um, do men and women differ? Of course they do. Yeah. If, if they didn't differ, we couldn't be calling it diversity. Could we? Right. Right, and, and so it's kind of it's kind of a, a circular argument they're making. We're not different, but it's diversity. Let's just be honest and say this is our agenda. This is what we want. This is what we're about. We're going to promote it. Good for you, Google. Good for you. 
but that's not what they're let's doing. not deny truth. Yeah. And that's my problem with it all, is that we're denying truth. And when you deny truth, you're on shaky ground for all kinds of... You can't think clearly, and you can't have... You can't make good decisions, and you can't make a way forward in life and in the world without a, a foundation of truth. And I think we're losing that in organizations because we're pursuing and so tied to our polar polarized worldviews that we can't even see his argument, Mr. DeMore's argument, for what it is. And I see it as a, as a larger global issue that I'm concerned about. Yeah. So what can we apply from this uh, situation in our businesses, the ones we lead, the ones we are right. influencing? Um, what do you see as the action steps for us uh, based on this conflict right. and how it worked? I, I think I think the um, some of the action steps actually is something that he, he points out, which is we need to be aware of our biases. Um, and we need to be able to think critically about our own thinking, to see ourselves thinking and understand how our perspectives are shading what we see and what we think. Because the reality is that we do screen out and filter out information that's useful to us. And once we do that, we are incapable of problem solving with that data. So we're problem solving based on ideas and a narrative that excludes portions of reality. And that will always diminish your performance, and it will always breed conflict. And so I think this is an issue for us to uh, do some reflection about how we see the world and um, question ourselves is, do we see it accurately? And the reality is none of us really do. Can we see it more accurately is the question. How do we do that? How do we get more insight into how we're thinking right. and so on? Like, uh, do, you, do you do an assessment? Do you have, bring yeah. in a consultant? Do you, right. <laughs> what do you go away and then think about it for a while and meditate? I mean, how does an organization achieve greater clarity about their own biases and thinking? Yeah. Well, one of the what he's talking about is you bring in people with diverse views. Yeah. And you listen to them. Okay. And, and you guard against your reaction to be defensive. Okay. Right. Uh, and then you, you, we teach people in interviewing classes how to interview people for jobs is when you start to form an impression, you stop yourself and you go start seeking evidence to the contrary that this, whatever this impression is, I'm going to seek evidence that this impression is wrong. Yeah. And so I'm going to go seek that data. I'm going to pull that in rather than what we do is, is we, we then go and we confer, we seek evidence that confirms it. Right. From that point on, so we said this, and that we we go look for evidence that disconfirms it. Yes, and so I think we'd all be wise to do that. Yeah, good. Anything else? No, I don't. I, I would love to. Um, I'm eager to see what what Google actually does. Mm. Um, their response suggests to me that they're heading in the wrong direction, um, and that's kind of what I expect from what I see, and. Um, I would just like to 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 offer to people that um, let's let's think more clearly and critically about our worldviews and our perspectives, um, and allow some critical thinking, and see where that takes us. Mm-hmm. 
Thanks everyone for listening to WorkWise, the growth mindset for wisdom at work. And if you're listening to this and thinking, gosh, I could really use a creativity workshop and someone to help me with my team to be more creative and productive so we can innovate, why don't you head on over to creativitylabs.us and connect with us. We'd love to help you out.